And I think what makes it so great is it tells a really compelling story. And so this is kind of our jumping off point today, okay? This is a story of this wonderful life in a nutshell, all right? You can never imagine the impact of the life you've lived. That's the story it tells. You can never imagine the impact of the life that you've lived. And that's because we get so caught up in what's going on around us. We don't think about the people who are around us. We don't think about the people who've crossed our paths. You see, that is, in the movie, that's George Bailey's life in a nutshell. He's so caught up in all the terrible things that are going on around him, and he thinks his life's a colossal failure. He doesn't understand the impact his life has made on people. So he gets a chance we don't get to get, because it's a movie. He gets a chance to see what his life would be like if he had never been born. And I'll bet you there's someone here today who, is, who has had this thought before about the people in your life. Things have gotten really bad. And you said, you know what? I think people would be better off if I'd never, if I'd just never come in their life. I think everyone would be better off if I had just not happened. So George Bailey gets a chance. And this is what he learns. It's really interesting. His brother Harry dies in an icy pond because George wasn't there to save him. As a result of that, Harry doesn't save these sailors during World War II, and hundreds of lives are lost. Hundreds of families are impacted because George wasn't there to save his brother Harry. Bedford Falls becomes Pottersville. The evil uh, Mr. Potter uh, rules the town because George wasn't there to stand up to him. And hundreds of people and hundreds of families are impacted because of one life that was absent. The town druggist accidentally poisons a child because George wasn't there to catch his mistake. Uncle Billy ends up in a sane asylum because George wasn't there to, to run the company and to kind of mentor his uncle. Ma Bailey ends up running a boarding house for the worst kinds of people. Mary, George's wife, ends up, a, as they call it in the movie, an old maid. Uh, I always crack up when I uh, get to that part. Old maid. And as a result, she never marries. His kids are never born. And George realizes that despite everything that's going on around him, despite his problems, his life is pretty wonderful. And I wonder this morning if that's what you think your life is. I wonder if you would use wonderful to describe your life. I wonder if you'd use wonderful to describe the things that were going on this holiday season. Maybe you wouldn't use a word like wonderful. Maybe you use a word like tolerable. My, my life's tolerable. Maybe you'd say, well, my life, we're just kind of getting by, you know, just kind of scooting through, and so I'm just getting by. You know, or my favorite thing to say, in fact, I uh, uh, heard it once this morning, uh, I'm just keeping my head above the water, so that's my life. My life is just keeping my head above the water, and I, I say that all the time. My life is just average, you know, there's nothing special about my life. I wonder how you would describe your life. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at why I believe your life is wonderful. And your life is wonderful has nothing to do with anything that you've done or will do. It is all about what God has done for us. And so we're going to camp out First John this morning. Not a traditional Christmas uh, passage, not a traditional Christmas message. So we're kind of going off the reservation a little bit this morning, okay? But in First John chapter 5, we get a glimpse of who Jesus is and who he is to us and why he's important to us and why he makes life wonderful. So... 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, we see these words. And Jesus was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water, by shedding of his blood on the cross, not, only, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with his testimony. 
So we have three witnesses, and he goes on. The Spirit, the water, and the blood, all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God, and God has testified about his Son. Then he says this. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about. In other words, either Jesus is the Lord of all, or he's not. Either Jesus is the Son of God, or he's not. And when we say he's not, John tells us we're calling God a liar. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been called a liar a time or two in my life, and by all the things I've been called, it is about the worst thing you can call me. And so there are people in your life, people in our lives, who live as if God's words are not true. It was C.S. Lewis, who is, and the quote is, we kind of, it's a really long quote, but we kind of turned it down to three things. C.S. Lewis basically said about Jesus, either he is a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. So either Jesus is a liar, and everything he did and said was a lie, or he's just a crazy dude. Or, if he's not a liar, and he's not crazy, the only other alternative is he must be the Lord. In other words, because of a baby born in Bethlehem, we believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he was, did what he said he did, and will do what he's promised to do. And that is what makes life wonderful. Because Jesus has made this promise to be with us. And then John says this. Verse 11, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. So John establishes four truths. He says that God is the giver of eternal life. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. That, that life only comes through Jesus. That, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so the only way to, to God is through Jesus. And that's what John tells us. He also tells us that if you have the Son, if you've given your life to Jesus, you have this life. And if you have Jesus, your life is wonderful. Your life is wonderful not because of what we've done, because of what has been done for us. Now here's the downside. If you don't have Jesus, life can't be wonderful. You may think your life's pretty good. You may think your life's pretty great. But the truth is, this blessed life only comes through life in Christ. And so what we're trying to say is there's some truths we need to accept when it comes to Christmas. Because of a baby born in Bethlehem, who grew to be the Savior of the world, who would give his life on the cross, who witnesses say rose from the dead, went to heaven, will one day prepare a place for us, for all who believe in him, there are some truths that we need to understand. And here's the first one. A wonderful life is possible when I view eternal life as a gift, not something I earn. And I think that's where a lot of folks get really messed up. I think this is where a lot of folks have a hard time. Because we live in a culture where nothing is given for free, and if it's free, it's really not free. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you, you've been here before. Maybe you've done this before. Uh, you get that phone call. Now, I, don't, I hadn't done this in 20 years. But you get that phone call. 
we're going to give you a week at wherever you want to go, the beach, whatever. We're going to pay for all your food. We're paying for all your travel. We're going to pay for your entertainment. And it will cost you nothing except to spend one afternoon with us. Now, if you've ever done that, you know that is, that is not worth that price. It just ain't worth it. So, a long time ago, after a really horrible experience in which I went toe-to-toe with this guy who basically called me a liar, and that didn't end so well, um, we decided it, it was too high a cost. Never have done one since. Now, I've got friends who do them all the time. They travel all over the place, swear by it. More power to them. But you know what? There's nothing for free. That's what we understand, right? You want to have a great marriage? And I think most of us do if you want to have a great marriage. Here, here's the deal. Got to work at it. Got to, it doesn't just, doesn't just happen. Got to make some sacrifices. Got to work hard. Got to be committed. Got to go the extra mile. It doesn't just happen. You, you, you want to advance your career? It doesn't just happen. I guess if you own the company, it does. But otherwise, if you don't own the company, you like the rest of us, then you have to work hard. You got to sacrifice. You got to be committed. Because advancement comes with a cost. And you have to decide if you want to pay the cost. You want to be healthy, which is kind of like my running joke. I want to be healthy, but I don't want to do the work. I want to be healthy but eat donuts. That's what I want to do, right? I want to be healthy, but I want to eat donuts when I want to eat them. That, that's my plan. But for, the, for, for normal people, you have to exercise. You have to watch what you eat. That's the part that gets me. you got to be committed. Take sacrifice. Because nothing on this planet, we understand, comes for free. Right? And so, then we have this whole thing about eternal life, life in the sun, and, and eternal life is a free gift from God. But we know there's nothing free in life, and so we convince ourselves, here's what i got to do. i got to work for it. Got to work for it. I'm going to work with those kids, and I'm going to work with them. I'm going to change diapers in the nursery, and I'm going to cut grass, and I'm going to vacuum floors, and I'm going to serve communion, and I'm going to work with teenagers. I mean, I'm going to do whatever I have to do, shake hands, greet people, hand out bulletins. I'm going to work because if I just work hard enough, God will oversee my flaws because we understand in this world nothing's for free. But with God, Eternal life, life in heaven comes at a great cost, but it didn't cost us anything. But it cost Jesus everything. And all we have to do is accept it or not. When someone gives you a present, uh, speaking of Christmas time, when someone gives you a gift, you have a couple of choices. You can take it or you can't. Now, we used to have, she's not here, so I can, you know. Uh, yeah, we used to keep gifts that we didn't like. We put them in a closet, and we re-gift them. Like, you wait about two years, and you can re-gift. But when you give someone something, you go, you know what, didn't I give you something like this? No, no, uh, no, no, uh I'm just saying that you used to do that because sometimes you get a gift, and you go, I don't really want that gift, but I really don't feel like I can give it back. So I'm going to set it on the shelf, and it's going to end up in a yard sale one day. Or it's going to end up re-gifting. And if you re-gift, be careful who you give it to. I'm just saying. Bad things can happen. Because we've been re-gifted before. And that's a booger. 
So when we get this offer of eternal life, we have to decide if we're going to take it or not. But Jesus doesn't force himself on us. Eternal life is a gift that comes from God. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do God's work, which God prepared in advance for us. You can have a wonderful life when you accept the fact that eternal life is a free gift from God. And it cost Jesus everything, but it didn't cost us anything. We accept it or we don't. And when you accept it, you accept it on the terms that it's offered. Or you don't. So the second thing we need to understand about a wonderful life is this. The life is wonderful when you realize that you are loved absolutely wonderfully. So, the most, maybe the most famous uh, passage in the Bible is for God to love the world, he gave his only son. God loved the world so much, he sent Jesus into the world. This is, this season we're celebrating is when that actually took place. God loved the world so much that he allowed Jesus to be coming to the world as a baby born in Bethlehem. It is a love story. You need to understand and, and maybe erase everything you understand about Christmas. Christmas is the beginning of a love story where God showed how much he loved us by sending Jesus into the world. And Jesus would grow to be a man, and he, and he grew, and he loved us so much that when he could have saved himself, when he could have uh, foregone the cross, when he could have foregone suffering, he chose to save us. We are loved by God. And here's the cool thing. Right now, regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of whether you give your life to Jesus or not. Here's the truth. It is not possible for God to love you more than he loves you right now. It's not possible. And it's not possible that you can do anything that God will love you less. From the moment you were born to the time you meet Jesus, you are as loved as you will ever be. We always think it's really cool when, uh, you know, I thought it was really cool when, when my kids were born and, and you love them so much before they're born, but they're born, you love them in a different way. And I thought that was the best ever until I held my granddaughter for the first time and realized that my kids are okay, but she is something else. God doesn't do that with us. Love doesn't swing on a pendulum. He loves us as much as possible right here, right now, despite your flaws and despite your faults. He loves you as much as he can possibly love you right now. So what do I do? You simply do this. You want to have a wonderful life? You want to have a wonderful Christmas? This is what you do. You build your life around Jesus. Keep the focus of your life on him. That's what makes life wonderful. And if we do that, we can have a wonderful life. When he is the focal point of your life, when he's the focal point of your Christmas season. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about you know how... We just get so caught up in the craziness, we forget. We kind of leave Jesus behind. Sometimes we get so caught up in our mess, we forget that joy comes from inside of us, not from our circumstances. Here's what I know. If you're a child of the King of Kings, your life is not ordinary, and your life is wonderful. 
Your life is wonderful because of who Jesus was and what he did for you. That's it. It's what makes your life wonderful. You know, for me to say my favorite part of, of this wonderful life is interesting because I'll say that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part. But my absolute favorite part of the movie, absolute favorite part of the movie, is that is that moment when he gets when he realizes how blessed he is, and he goes running back to his house. I mean, I, I love that whole scene. I could watch that over and over and over. In fact, this week I did watch it over and over and over and over. But here's the thing I like. Every, the whole town shows up because they don't know what's going on, but their friend is in trouble, and they are there for their friend, and they, he, they show up, and people start beginning, and he begins to understand how blessed and wonderful his life is. Then his little brother shows up, and, they, you know, and he says, I want to propose a toast to my brother George, the richest man in town. And here's why I love that part. Because what made George rich was not money because he didn't have any. What makes you rich is not what you have. What makes you rich are the depths of the relationships in your life. And what George understood, what made him rich beyond measure, was the depth of the relationships in his life. And this Christmas season, I'm here to tell you what makes life wonderful is the depth of God's love for you. That he loved you so very much, he would allow Jesus to come into this world. And that Jesus loved us so very much that he would give his life for us. Your life is wonderful because you are richly and deeply and absolutely loved. Father, we are, um, we, we come into this Christmas season and sometimes we get so distracted and caught up by the things that are going on around us that we we get caught up in our problems and our mess. Sometimes we forget that what makes life wonderful is not what we've accomplished. It's, it's not what we will do. It's the people you've put in our life who make our lives better. It's the Savior who wants to be a part of our life who makes life better, who loved us so much that he chose to give everything so that we could have everything. This Christmas season, whatever it is we're going through, remind us how loved we are. Remind us that your son gave his life and rose from a grave so that we could have a rich, blessed life in you, spend eternity with you. Pray these things in Jesus' name.